Hello there, welcome to Stephen Runs Vegan. It's me, Stephen, your friendly neighbourhood podcast host. I'm trying my radio voice today. How are you? I hope all is well. I'm doing okay myself, considering, yeah, considering the times we live in, you do the best you can. Just this morning I got an email from work saying I had a positive confirmed COVID case on one of my flights. For those of you who don't know, I'm a flight attendant, so one of the passengers later tested positive for COVID-19, which is not fun to read, but um, there you go, what can you do? It's, It's not unusual for me or my colleagues, unfortunately. Quite a few of my colleagues have also gotten a similar email, which means quite a lot of people are traveling at the moment with COVID-19, which really defeats the purpose. Um, But you have to hope, I guess, that because the virus is so quietly dangerous, it, it, you know, the incubation period in your body, you can have it for a week before you show any signs, maybe even longer than a week. So I guess in that way, you have to assume the passengers had the virus, but didn't know and traveled. Because if anybody was feeling sick in any way and decided to get on a plane in an airport, you know, surround themselves with the public and travel to a different country these days, well, I just hope I don't know anybody like that. I hope they really think about what they were doing and why it was wrong. Um, I'm feeling fine. Thankfully, it was already quite a while ago that this passenger was on one of my flights, so any symptoms for me would have shown up by now. Thankfully, that's okay. But yeah, guys, again, it's don't travel if you're feeling sick. I know we have to get back to some sort of normal life. Things are opening up again. And I know I work for an airline. I need people to fly. They pay my salary. So I get that. We can all try to live our a version of our previously normal lives. But, you know, you don't go outside if you're sick. Keep your distance, wash your hands, good hygiene, all of that stuff. Yeah, we, we've we heard it all for months now, over half a year. We, we've known all of this stuff. But for me as well, I've been guilty of just getting a bit relaxed about everything and probably many others too. But I feel I've talked about um, COVID-19 too, far too many times on this podcast. I don't want to come across as preachy. So yeah, you, you all know what what we should do. Let's just make sure we stick to it. Uh, yeah, as for me, I went running earlier today, which was nice because truth be told, I'm really not running a lot these days, not nearly as much as I have done and should do. But it felt great to get out. I, I just woke up this morning. I kind of did nothing around the house for about an hour and then realized, well, why not? Let's go for a run, fire up a podcast and off we go. And I listened to my new favorite podcast, which is Fake Doctors, Real Friends. That is Zach Braff and Donald Faison, the um, lead guys from Scrubs. You remember the TV show Scrubs? The uh, hospital comedy thing? So they played JD and Turk in Scrubs, and that was one of my favorite shows. It still is. It's it, it had such an impression on me when it was out at the time. And they're doing a rewatch podcast now, so they're talking about their memories of the show on the surface but then they always get sidetracked they can never stay talking about scrubs they're talking about life in general they have a great uh dynamic going with their producer uh the two producers i think joel and daniel it's just a really great funny podcast to listen to and it's 
it's nice to get to know that the real guys to get to know is Zach Braff and Donald Faison. And yeah, it turns out they're really cool individuals. One of their, to drag it back down again a bit, one of their good friends, Zach's good friends, especially Nick Cordero, was a, a Broadway actor and a musician. I think he had some uh, TV acting roles as well. Uh, died from COVID-19 um, or complications resulting from contracting COVID-19. And seemingly he was a completely healthy individual. In his 40s, he had a, a wife and a, a kid, like a new baby. And they were moving to LA, I believe. And, and from what I heard, he was going back to New York to pick up some stuff to take to LA or, you know, paperwork or whatever. He was doing something in New York, flying back from LA and on that flight or on that journey, he contracted COVID-19, started to feel weak, started to get a bit sick, was advised to go to the hospital and he never came out of the hospital. And so to hear their brutally honest retelling of like, what this man meant to them. He was totally healthy. He was in his 40s, no underlying conditions, you know, starting a new bright future with his family and to to lose his life to this virus and to see how many people are not taking the damn thing seriously is frustrating, uh, to put it mildly. So I'll, I'll leave that there. As I said, again, this is... A good example of what fake doctors real friends is like and if you've seen scrubs what's that what that was like as well it is funny and really interesting and enjoyable to listen to but they will also hit you with some heavy truths which is nice it's it's enjoyable it's important to hear but i digress this is my podcast Stephen runs vegan thank you so much for tuning in again if you've been back if you've uh, listened previously or if it's your first time with me Thanks. Hi. Welcome. I don't know how you found it. Please let me know. I'm always looking to reach new people who might want to hear what I have to say. So however you found this podcast, get in touch. That will be great. If you haven't already, I'd recommend going back and listen to my previous podcast. I had an interview with my friend Heather and yeah, it was a really good one. I'm going to have her back on for sure. She was really interesting to talk to. And I really had a good time. I think you might enjoy it. It's quite conversational, quite laid back. We do moan and complain a bit about what it's like being vegan, but it's in a, it's all in a, you know, in good spirits, as they say. So I think that's, that should be an enjoyable listen. I hope you would agree. I certainly enjoyed making it. So if you've got the time, I would uh, take a look and I'd appreciate any feedback as always with any of my episodes, of course. This is still a work in progress. It's a learning curve. I believe this one is episode 17 now, which I don't know how, like, that seems like a lot. But then again, any decent podcast I listen to has had 100, 200, 500 episodes. So plenty of work to be done still. And I'm sure over the years, who knows how long this is going to go. But in the future, I'll look back on episode 17 and wonder what I was doing wrong, why I didn't figure out the sound editing, or all these other details that, you know, as I said, it's a learning experience. So if there are any fellow podcasters, video makers, audio editing people out there who have some tips for me, please send them in. I, I'm not an expert. I'm not a sound engineer. I'm not a script writer or any, I'm just a guy with a, you know, a bit of extra time on his hands who's trying something he's always wanted to. So how are you doing lately? Um, one question that's been on my mind lately that I've been asking friends about is what they're listening to, like what musical obsession they currently have. 
I don't know if it's the same for you, but I have my favorite genres. I have my favorite artists, and I, I, I'd like to think I listen to a wide variety. Put on some good music, whatever it is, and I would appreciate it. But I go, I certainly do go through binges of particular artists or particular genres where I'll only listen to that style, that band for two, three weeks. Um, speaking of Heather, who was my previous podcast guest, she got me back into Blink-182. I hadn't really given their new stuff a chance, and it was really good. And for the last year, maybe now, I, I listened to Blink-182 for essentially the whole summer. There are two latest albums on repeat. Sometimes you hear music, you hear a band, a singer, a new song, a new album, a, a genre, something that just vibrates on your level of where you are at the moment, and that's all you want to hear. And that's cool. Most recently, I've been having that with an American folk band, country folk band, I guess, called Trampled by Turtles, which is a great band name, Trampled by Turtles, in general. I believe they're from Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota. Trampled by Turtles are your typical, like, folk, country, hillbilly, bluegrass band. And I hate to use those phrases because 10 years ago, if you heard, if you told me, like, country, hillbilly, bluegrass, I would be turned off completely i had no interest in cowboy music or you know country and western banjos and all that but like many people hopefully do your musical tastes expand your you broaden your horizons a little bit whereas before when you told me country and western i would think garth brooks and cowboy hats and confederate flags and like shitty political opinions and racism and all that terrible stuff which is a thing there is a section of music that is you know country and western that conservative uh, republicans listen to while they wave their confederate flags but trampled by turtles and a lot of what i listen to now is american folk music which is folk you know it's it's of the people it's what people have been playing for hundreds of years it's a method of storytelling it's authentic it's not overproduced uh, the songwriting these guys have is brilliant. It's some poetry. They cover so many topics. The 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 music sounds great. It's so pure. The banjo player. So the reason I got into Trampled by Turtles, I, I heard one of their songs on the Spotify playlist called Wait So Long. And it's so fast. If any of you remember Dragon Force, that metal band, they had their famous song on Guitar Hero through Fire and Through Flames. Dragon Force with this like speed metal band with insanely fast drums and guitar solos. It was this level. It was like a country version of Dragon Force with banjos and violins and stomping and clapping at like a mega fast level. It was a great song. I would listen to it to you know psych me up in the mornings, and then after a while I would just start to listen to their their back catalogue, the rest of their music, and yeah, I really enjoy it. I think it's because, well, as I said, my music tastes were changing over the years anyway. Certainly my, appreciate, my appreciation of Johnny Cash led me to no, no longer be afraid of a, an American country singer with a guitar. And I appreciate what it is that they do. It's not all just moonshine and, you know, um, sexist lyrics. So I got into Johnny Cash and then stopped hating the concept of country in general. And that has led me down the path of where I am now, which is appreciating bluegrass and folk music and country music, pure, authentic country music. Bear with me. There is a um, there is a finish line to my rambling here, I think. But certainly that was solidified when I went to Asheville last year. Asheville in North Carolina is, yeah, it's... It took me by surprise because the name North Carolina 
doesn't makes you forget that it's in the south it's in the old confederate south you know so much so that you did see confederate flags on the back of pickup trucks when you were outside the city a little bit the um, main town square was called pack square and this pack was a confederate general of some description there was a confederate statue right in the middle of the town not very cool especially when you consider Asheville these days is one of the most liberal tolerant progressive places anywhere I've seen it's it's an incredible place to visit but it is in the south and they appreciate that in the best of ways I think you would find these buskers these bands playing like rag ragtag is that the word like makeshift instruments there was a guy drumming on a plastic bucket or someone made a kind of a guitar bass guitar thing out of string and stick like really rudimentary instruments but playing americana playing bluegrass folk music and when you're seeing it in the place where it's from and where it's supposed to be yeah it just you get it all of a sudden in preparation for my trip to Asheville I started to listen to any music um does anyone else do that I listen to music of the location to get myself excited to go so if i'm visiting well Asheville, as i said i put the just put the name Asheville into spotify and i queued up all the songs that mentioned Asheville in it and then you find bands that are from there or the sound of the region and a lot of that was country and folk music and i really really loved it so trampled by turtles came along at the right time because yeah, I just I, I had an appreciation for this music now and some personal attachment to it, having been there, having having gotten a newfound appreciation for what folk music, what country music, what American country music really means. But speaking of Asheville, that's where <laughs> this is where I wanted to go with my uh, sidetrack story there. And speaking of Asheville, that city has another name, a nickname, Beer City, USA. From what I've read and from my experience there, it is the city in the USA with the most breweries per head of population, maybe even in the world. Where I was staying had five breweries within a kilometer of me, the South Slopes District, the Brewing District. And it's very, as I mentioned, very progressive, very creative, very liberal. And that includes its brewing. It's all craft beer. It's all interesting and new and very unique and very cool so with that in mind today i wanted to talk about the wonderful thing that is beer craft beer especially right now mm. i am drinking a beer i'm drinking a bird of prey ipa this is the standard the core ipa from my local brewery alcha here in harlem and it's nice. It's a just a classic IPA, bitter, hoppy, citrus tones. You know all that good stuff. Uh, it's five point eight percent alcohol volume. I'm reading the can here. Voted best IPA in the Netherlands. Something it won a bronze medal in the Brussels Beer Challenge 2019. So yeah, it's um, Alger, one of my favorite breweries. Or you know, right here in my in my town, there speciality their focus is ipas which i enjoy but i digress that's what i'm drinking right now and it's very enjoyable so my relationship with alcohol is probably not very straightforward especially for an irish person 
as most of you would know, us Irish are famous or infamous, if you would rather say, probably more accurately, for drinking, for drinking alcohol. Of course, we have famous beers like Guinness. There's Irish whiskies, world famous as well. And there's just the Irish drinking culture, you know, going back to talking about folk music, you know, Irish pub songs. And it's it's all very intertwined, which is wonderful in its own way. But there's a lot of harsh realities in that. Growing up as a teenager, when I became you know, 13, 14, 15, my friends or people from my area would start drinking and it would be done in secret. Oh, you know they would go. They would go to a field or to an abandoned building with some really cheap, terrible drinks that their someone's older brother or older sister bought, and drink in secret. And I would be there sometimes, and just not. I didn't get the attraction. There was no. I didn't want to do this. So that they they just wanted to get drunk, and because they were fourteen, drinking cheap cider, they got drunk instantly, and didn't know their limits and you would see there was one kid in my school we were in class one day and he just threw up all over his desk from the night before i I don't know why but that's that was my idea of alcohol back then there is there's a tricky relationship in ireland these days towards drinking towards alcohol because it's clear it's a it's a common pastime a lot of people do it and some do it to uh, unhealthy levels so yeah, when when I was raising that, I didn't get the the joy. I didn't get the attraction. I didn't want get the idea of getting wasted. And you know, there's there's some nervousness in our culture and a bit of anxiety. We're very friendly and social on the surface, but that's when you're talking about sports or just having a laugh, or catching up, playing music. When it comes to like the opposite sex, when it comes to romance, when it comes to uncomfortable conversations letting out your feelings that's a different story that takes a little dutch courage as we would say a little um alcohol to to ease us into things that we want to say but can't otherwise and i never liked that association so i didn't actually drink any sort of alcohol through most of my teenage and early 20s i went to university dry didn't drink at all and it wasn't even hard i didn't want to drink i didn't like especially in university i didn't enjoy the binge drinking culture it looked so unappealing to me um but of course i always told myself that i don't need to drink to have fun you know i can party i can go out and enjoy myself anyway and i tried my best but really in hindsight it wasn't true i i'm not a party guy anyway i didn't enjoy clubbing the, all those things that we did in in college anyway and i don't think i would have enjoyed it much more even if i was drinking but i'm i was happy with my decision but gradually, over time, that started to change. I remember I went to Germany for work um, in 2013, and that was where I was introduced to a different attitude to alcohol, a more friendly one, a more social one. You would have drinks with friends and food, and people would have one or two on a night out and be okay and go home. There, there was no binge drinking, or less, certainly. It's not ideal, but there was a more social more healthy more positive attitude positive relationship towards alcohol and i didn't drink for a couple of years there either but in 2015 i remember i had a, a couch surfing guest staying with me who was really a lot of fun we i, I took her around showed her the town i lived in and we went for dinner and there she realized i was vegan and fine she was cool with that and then later she 
she was from America and the, her main request was she wanted to go to a supermarket, buy a bottle of beer and walk, like do sightseeing while drinking a beer, walk through the streets because that was allowed. And it was no big deal in the in the place I lived in at the time. And for her, for an American to be the, her, the concept of drinking on the streets to her and that being totally cool was so novel, was so wow for her that she had to do it. And I thought, okay, cool. So we went to the... A supermarket and we I got a non-alcoholic beer she got an al- alcoholic one and we walked through the streets and it was fun but she said something to me once she said so you're vegan and you don't drink alcohol and when she put it so bluntly it, in her eyes I was this like perfect example of purity and healthy living and cleanliness and some righteousness I guess but that didn't I didn't like how that sounded to me it sounded so puritanical and i'm really not you know i'm not ideal i'm not holding myself up as the example of how to live by any means um and that kind of planted a seed in my mind which like yeah i can explain why i'm vegan i i can defend that i know i have my logic i it, it's beneficial but as the years went on and as i started to grow up i i really didn't know why i wasn't drinking anymore i I'd gotten over my fear of it being potentially a toxic relationship and something I had to avoid. There was no social blocks. There was there was none, none of that. So I, I wondered, like, why? And I, yeah, and that really planted the seed. Furthermore, I, I had just gone vegan. I had just started run, my whole running journey. You can hear all about that in one of the very early episodes, episode two or three, I think, how I started running and how I went vegan and what that was like. And of course, getting another mention, the No Meat Athlete podcast, one of my big influences for the way I live my life now, features Matt and Doug, two guys who talk about all the wonderful things to work on in your life, fitness, nutrition, habit forming, all these healthy, positive things. But the one of the reasons I really enjoyed the show was they were just back and forth. They were good friends and you could hear it. It was a more casual conversation style rather than anything too scripted or too perfectionist they were just two buddies having a good time and they would talk about the rest of their life too both of them live in Asheville North Carolina I went over partly to visit Matt and they were big craft beer guys so they would talk about craft beer which made me realize again another mentality shift where beer wasn't this quality over quantity excuse me quantity over quality thing it wasn't about having six to eight cans or pints of lager in in a bar and just getting drunk and not feeling good you could have a a craft beer one or two and different ones and sample the flavor and the taste and there was a culture around it a sort of healthy not a habit but a a passion an interest something social something you could meet your friends with and talk about you know the new visit a brewery and talk about the latest batch and the flavors and what your preferences are they talked about it in such an interesting way that didn't treat beer and alcohol like a drug to be careful around but something social something healthy in moderation of course something you could appreciate and that really was a mentality shift and I thought well if those guys can do it and live their healthy athletic family lives then what am I afraid of and so yeah I made the decision to stop not drinking, I guess you could say. Very slowly at first, I was at 
a family, um, my ex-girlfriend's family, one of her aunties, I think, had a 50th birthday party years ago now. And we were all at their big do. They rented some fancy house on an island here and it had a big dinner and a party. And it was a lovely day. But there was like a giant crate of um, Hertogian. The Dutch uh, Dutch listeners will know the Hertogian beer. It's quite nice. And I, I took a bottle for the first time. And that was my first ever beer. Um, I had two that day, I think. And I could feel it after two. Like, Ooh, this is uh, enough for me. My first proper pint was a... Big relief, not a relief, wrong word, a big occasion for my dad, especially. So I had my first ever pint the night before I ran my first ever half marathon, which is probably not ideal training, but uh, bear with me, I'll get into the, the situation. We went to Strand Hill in Sligo in the west of Ireland, beautiful west coast views. We, I was with my mom and dad, we were going out for dinner uh, that night in a Chinese restaurant before you know we wanted to get some some carb loading in before a big race and get a nice feed and yeah we had a lovely dinner but the chinese restaurant was right on top of the pub and so we decided to go down to the pub afterwards and have one drink to settle the nerves whatever you whatever excuse we wanted to use and i had just told my parents i'm not sure if i had even told them or if i just ordered a pint but anyway i had a pint of this craft beer on tap so they had all the taps in the bar your standard ones, Guinness, Budweiser, Carlsberg, whatever. And they had Franciscan Well, this kind of like interesting looking tap. And I thought, ooh, I've never heard of Franciscan Well. That's an Irish craft brewery. And they poured the beer into some sort of like tankard glass, this big sturdy thing with a handle that's really heavy to lift. But that added to the appeal as well, of course. I remember as a teenager, my dad, I'm the oldest of... Um, their kids there's four boys four of us and i'm the eldest and my dad was always looking forward to sharing a pint with his firstborn on his 18th birthday you know one of those father-son rituals and he never got that with me on my 18th birthday because i didn't drink at the time and he my dad's too nice he never held it against me it wasn't a thing at all but i know that was something he wanted to do and finally eight what was i 25 seven years later he was sharing a pint of beer with his eldest son for the first time ever. So he really enjoyed that, and so did I. It took me a lot longer to drink it than it took them, that's for sure. But yeah, my first pint the day before my first half marathon, and both the pint and the half marathon were very enjoyable. Um, neither one stopped the other, thankfully. But that's um, a good sign of what was to come, I guess, with my running. I didn't realize how related the craft beer scene and the running scene are. It all started in the US. The craft beer revolution has come to Europe now, but we're still a few years behind, certainly in terms of popularity and the social scene around beer and around breweries. But a lot of breweries will have... So, for example, you will see a run club in any town, Harlem, my town, for example, that will start and end their group run at the local brewery, partly because it's a nice, convenient indoor location to stow your bags and all that sort of thing. And it Everybody likes to have a beer and, you know, sort of a socializing catch-up chat about the run and about their day over a drink afterwards. It's it's become quite synonymous. You will see a lot of runners, especially the longer distance runners, I find. Sprinters, I don't know how well beer goes with that, but the endurance runners, the long distance, slow running folks seem quite the Venn diagram between craft beer and distance runners certainly has quite a bit bit more overlap than I realized. 
you will often find ultra marathons that have a a beer sponsoring the event. Of course, the Ginger Runner is another runner I'm a big fan of. He is a YouTuber, filmmaker, musician, just a cool guy, very inspirational videos. I would hardly recommend checking out his stuff on YouTube, Ginger Runner. But one of his slogans is train race beer, which I can certainly live by. He he is a good example of the relationship between a healthy attitude to having a beer and embracing your local scene, both in running, trail running, ultra running, and in craft brewing, which I like. I think that's a nice, healthy connection. And of course, when I was in Asheville, I, you know, I went for many runs when I was there, which was lovely. But Matt and I, Doug and I, we all went out for beers too. The evening I had with Matt and Doug drinking beers in Black Mountain, nearby town, was just wonderful. So there's these healthy, fitness-focused guys who live their lives in the, you know, as good a way as they can, and still enjoy a few beers. And we had a great time without getting absolutely wasted. Like it's. It's something that's I've mentioned it again now because it's such a surprise to me. It's such a relief. You can practice moderation and still enjoy it because that just didn't seem like the case for me when I was growing up. So I wonder, oh listener, oh dear listener of mine, do you drink beer? Is this just an episode you see and skip? No, not for me. Or are you listening to it politely and thinking, yeah, beer is beer. I don't like it. My ex was the same way. She just didn't drink beer at all. Cider, maybe. But I would try, I would taste one and give it to her. Oh, try this one. It's really fruity. It's not, you know, it's very different. You won't notice. You might like this one. And she would take a sip and just think, ah, no, it's just beer. It doesn't matter. I can't taste the lemon. I cannot taste the the watermelon or the coffee notes. All, all that fancy stuff we like to pretend that's there. As for me, I certainly enjoy my craft beers or special beers, as the Dutch would call them, special beers. Now, don't get me wrong, I try not to be too much of a snob. If you and I are going out to a bar one day and you buy me a pint of anything, Heineken, whatever, thank you very much. I would enjoy it. It's it's a good beer. But certainly it's always my preference to have an IPA, ideally, some sort of craft beer, something different. Lagers, Heineken, Carlsberg, uh, whatever, pick any other any of the other countless numbers that there are out there it's all a bit the same to me it's not it's not very enjoyable it's not very interesting should i say it's still enjoyable you know on a hot day having a cold bottle of heineken cool but give me something to think about give me something worth savoring to appreciate rather than just drinking you know so as i said my favorite type is an ipa the likes of which i'm drinking right now india pale ale is the name for it I did a bit of Googling just before I started recording this podcast to find out the origin of the name India Pale Ale, where an IPA got its name. I'd, I'd heard a story that I didn't think was true. I thought it was just a story, but it seems to be. I read a, uh, an article from The Guardian and from The Smithsonian, both saying the same thing. So I believe they are reputable sources, you might say, which relates to the fact that when the British ha- colonized India, the the British colonials, the army over there, got a regular supply of beer as part of their rations, uh, just, you know, to survive the um, the rigmaroles of life, you might say. But British beer at the time was quite heavy and more based on porters, or it certainly wasn't sufficient to survive the six-month 
uh, boat journey that it took to br- to ship this beer out from Britain, from London to Mumbai or New Delhi, wherever wherever they arrived, because it was darker beers or they were ales, they were red ales, and they were served warm, which were just not capable of surviving the journey. So basically, by the time they arrived in India, they would be. Um, they would either be drunken already by the people on board because try and tell, yeah, because just try and limit a, a boat full of sailors who are bringing shipments of beer f- over the course of six months not to touch it. And quite often, because they knew the beer would be bad quality and it was government purchased, so they didn't have any lo- uh, financial connections to it. If there was any problems with the, the, the voyage, if there were any problems with the ship, they would... L- seek to lighten the load and one of the first things to go was the beer because it was just of inferior quality and eventually this became such a problem over the years that they started to ask the London the British based brewers to try and come up with something more sturdy something that would survive the journey so they found these certain types of hops that were more tolerant to the conditions I guess you could say there's probably a lot of science behind it I'm sure somebody many know more than me about why the the technical reasons as to why it worked out this way but they started to brew these lighter in color and in flavor more hop focused beers because they would survive a bit longer fizzier beers as well i guess so that when they arrived in india six months later they were tolerable and seemingly of equal or superior quality to anything they had got before so suddenly these hoppy light beers were being shipped to India to serve the British army over there and it was a pale ale the the British will always refer to their beer as an ale or quite often regardless of the type it is you you could go out on the ale that night that's a phrase they use this was a pale ale it was a, a lighter golden yellow blonde color I guess you could say and it was shipped to India so there we have the India pale ale the IPA Sometimes I'll hear a Dutch person over here who order an IPA in the store because that's how they were. If you used to see the letters IPA beside each other and say it as a word, IPA would be, an English person would pronounce it IPA, but the I in Dutch and in many European languages is an E sound, so they'll order an IPA. Mach ik een IPA bestellen? And yeah, they mean an IPA, but uh, it's cute to hear that sometimes. So, yeah, if you'll excuse my mansplaining a little bit, I guess this is what this entire podcast is about, but shush, we won't dwell on that. I found it really interesting to hear the origin story of the IPA, and a lot of people don't know where it is, they just, it's called an India Pale Ale, and that's it. So I always like to to look into these things. So I do, I love an IPA all year round, there's such variety, you can get the West Coast style which refers to the west coast of America because, as I said earlier, the craft beer revolution really began in America. We're only catching up now. So you've got the New England-style IPA, the West Coast-style IPA, all these American flavors. West Coast is more of the traditional one, I guess you could say, more citrusy, more dry, more hoppy, more bitter, versus the New England-style IPA, which is a hazy IPA. That's a newer sort of uh, trend these days, and I love them both. It really depends on the day. The hazies, you might clues in the name. You look at it and it's got a kind of cloudy color. It's a hazy, almost milky sort of color to the beer. And it's normally very fruity, very juicy. So it kind of feels like pouring some fruit juice into your beer and drinking that with 
bit like orange juice or something in a beer. It's it's a different sort of thing, but it's still very much an IPA, still hop focused, but it's certainly a fruitier balance to it. Whereas the West Coast style will be more dry, more straightforward, more hops with you know some citrus bitter tones, and that that's it. It's what I'm drinking now. That's what the bird of prey is. That's a good one today too. But uh, so I do love IPAs, but there's also um, you know a, a nice variety, a wide range that I certainly enjoy. In the winter, when the the you know the weather in the Netherlands, the days get darker, the weather gets colder. You're indoors, you're seeking shelter. Then, in that case, a porter might be more appropriate, or a stout, a darker beer. Certainly, I do really appreciate stout, and of course, I'm an Irish guy, and you've got Guinness, which is you know world famous. But there's also Murphy's and a couple of other stouts in Ireland. Porterhouse is a craft brewery in Dublin that does did does I don't know if they still do a great stout. I also have to thank Matt Fraser when we were in Asheville. We went to the Pisca Brewing, uh, Pisca Brewery, P I S G A H in in the mountains, just outside Asheville, and a really cool brewery. They had loads of stuff on tap, and it was a, a nice, nice sunny, warm evening. He told me that Pisca have the best stout he had ever tasted. Which is, you know, come on, Matt, that's a big thing to say when you're talking to an Irish guy. I thought, okay, challenge accepted. I'll have a pint of stout, please. And, you know, he wasn't wrong. It was amazing. I don't think it was the best I ever had in the world, but it was still certainly very enjoyable. And it wouldn't be my typical, when I'm seated outdoors in a craft brewery in, on a nice summer, it wasn't summer, on a nice sunny day in Asheville. I would have gone for an IPA for sure, but that stout was really enjoyable. In the Netherlands, they've got something in the autumn that they brew called Buck Beer, B-O-K, Beer. And Buck Beer is, um, Buck is the Dutch for goat. So I guess it translates as goat beer, but I'm really not sure why. It's just, it's a beer that all the breweries will make a version of when autumn comes around. So when it gets to September, October, the leaves start to change color. You know, the days are getting shorter. the, The temperatures are dropping a little bit and they come out with this kind of red, reddish-brown ale, I guess. I really want to like it because I really love the packaging around it and the idea, and it's, you know, the seasons are changing, so the tastes change. Quite often, they're just a bit too sweet and, you know, malty for my liking. That's just not to my personal taste. I've had a few that are better than others, but overall, I just don't enjoy them as as much as I kind of wish I did, to be honest. So, Buck Beer... And I know that as soon as this summer ends, it's almost there now, really. Once September, October comes back around, the buck beers come back into the shops and into the breweries. I'm going to try it all over again because a bit like coffee years ago, I didn't like it and I learned to like it through sheer persistence. I think I'm trying that with the buck beers these days. We'll, We'll see how that goes. So yeah, IPAs, porters, stouts, buck beer, eh, ish. There's a whole load of variety. You've got your standard lagers, Weizens, Pilsners, the more traditional European ones that I like when in Rome, if I'm, you know, in the place where that's really the time and place to have one. Otherwise, it's a bit too basic for for my taste these days. And (laughs) the difficulty with talking about craft beer at all, it's very hard to talk about it in any way without sounding like an utter snob. Uh, other like beer wanker you might say like mm, there's notes of oaky texture to my aftertaste of caramel on the tongue all that stuff I say that in a completely joking way 
But then when I do try to talk about a beer legitimately, it can come so close to pretending like I'm... It can come so close to sounding like I know what I'm talking about and talking exactly like one of those dicks. But anyway, I try not to. I saw a beer mat in a bar once that I wish I'd taken because it was a funny one and it's it just lingered in my mind. It said something like, thank you to craft beer for making my alcoholism look like a hobby. Which is funny. I get the joke and I think a lot of people can relate to that. It does bring into question the reality and I feel like I have to mention it if I'm doing an episode about beer. It is not good for you and it has to be done in a healthy way, you know, in moderation. If you feel like you, you've lost control of your drinking or if there's if it's causing any trouble in your life, financially, health, personal issues, whatever that might be, you, you, you don't need me to tell you. You know, maybe ha- have a think about things and try and step back from, from that edge if you can. Just going back to my upbringing in Ireland, the reason I was so unattractive to alcohol back then was because there was such a toxic relationship to it versus relating to so many people seeing it as a break from the real world and as a coping mechanism, as a way of unlocking their emotions, their feelings to say what they really want to say, all of that stuff. It's it's not healthy and it's a line that's very easily crossed without realizing it. So you, myself included, I have to, you know, say I'm also in this camp I certainly do enjoy drinking beers and I enjoy the 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 craft beer scene and trying some new things and supporting local breweries especially during lockdown but then that can easily slip into oh I'm just drinking beer all the time now that's not good so we all have to be aware of that and I'm talking to myself here as much as anyone else don't worry speaking of uh lockdown and supporting local breweries that that's what we had to do when when lockdown really kicked in in force here in the netherlands in about march all the pubs closed all the restaurants closed a lot of the shops did and suddenly a lot of local independent businesses for which harlem is famous for having a lot of those sorts of nice locally owned independent boutique unique places instead of all the chain shops you find in a lot of other cities were losing money and may not have had the chance to reopen again. So they all did their own local um, initiatives, incentives to ship to home and all these different creative ways of trying to keep money coming in and keep their customers and be able to open again once lockdown finished. That included the breweries here in Harlem. So Harlem has two major breweries you could say, which are Yopen and Elche, and they are two Dutch names. I'll, I'll link them below so you know how to spell them. Yopen is the the bigger of the two. It's certainly the more famous one. There was an old church that was um, no longer being used in Harlem Center, and some people took it over and turned it into a brewery. And the cool thing they did was they brewed the original recipe that the monks or the, the, the priests, the the whatever the religious people who occupied this church hundreds of years ago brewed their own beer there without hops like the old traditional European way and Yopen the new guys had decided to brew that beer as according to the recipe from hundreds of years ago and it's really interesting I don't like the beer itself truth be told I tried it it's it doesn't have hops in it it's more herbal it's more it's, yeah, it's different to what you would expect a beer to be these days, but it's cool that they do it. I like that um, 
a tribute to to its former life, that church's former life. So the Open Kirk, the Open Church, is a popular tourist attraction in the city now. They brew good beers, and it is really cool to be in there because it's an old church that's been turned into a brewery and a bar, a restaurant. You can see the brewers there in the background doing some of the work, and it's it's a nice feeling. But it's certainly much more of a tourist attraction than a genuine beer location that I would visit regularly as a resident here in Harlem. That's where Alchia comes in, which is a small owl. Alchia Chia is a diminutive diminutive form for any word in, in Dutch, so a small owl is an Alchia. Which is they're a great brewery, I love them. It's a very niche name, it's a very Dutch name, the foreigners just find it very hard to pronounce. So I'm sure there was a bit of um, regret, maybe, because I don't know if they ever expected to get as big as they are currently getting now with such a weird name that doesn't translate very well internationally. But they've kept it. That's to be respected. As I said earlier, they are IPA experts. They are have a lot of experimenting. Their bar in the center of town has 30 taps. When I first came to Harlem and I first saw this place, I thought, ooh, a, cra- a craft beer bar with a lot of interesting varieties and 30 different selections i said i would make it my mission to like try all 30 beers and during my time in harlem and he the, the guy behind the bar just said to me yeah we they the the, the menu changes every month <laughs> you you can't if you want to try all 30 you can but it has to be 30 each month and i thought oh, okay that's that's a bit too much for me but they certainly they're um, canning i'm looking at the the bird of prey can here in front of me they all feature an owl or owls in some way Normally in like a cartoon comic strip sort of fashion, they have the same artist who designs all their beer cans, which are very cool. I like the continuity. I like the the fun involved in that. During lockdown, they had a drive through at their brewery, so you could drive through and pick up uh, a box, a crate or whatever, your order of beers fresh from the brewery, which is very cool. Or in true Dutch fashion, and for me, because I don't drive, you could also ride up on your bike. So I would cycle up with my bike in between two cars in the lane for the drive through speak my order into the microphone like I was in McDonald's on a bike, go to the window, and there you go. There's your six-pack. Thank you very much. And I can't talk about beer in Harlem without giving an honorary mention to Locale, which is my favorite bar in the city. When I first moved here, some friends of mine mentioned this nice little bar called Café Brilliant, which was in the Weifhoek. And the Weifhoek is the old historic um, working class neighborhood in Harlem. Two or three hundred years ago, it was seemingly quite a bad place to live. You know, it was crowded and cramped and narrow streets and a lot of industry there. So it didn't smell very good, you know, as these sort of places used to be back then. And of course, now it is the most yuppie, trendy, expensive, cute area of Harlem. And it's, I couldn't afford to live there, never, but um, it is a really nice place to walk through. These narrow streets now have beautiful architecture and there's always trees and plants and it's it's a lovely part of the, the city. And my friends mentioned that there was this really nice bar in there. And these streets are such a narrow little maze that you turn left you turn right you don't really know where you are but one day they took me there and we found this place and i went in and there were like stickers all over the walls there was a big stack of board games in the corner a very small bar but the the guy behind the the barman was wearing an iron maiden shirt and there was like cool music playing they had a great beer selection it was just it had a really cool vibe nothing dramatic nothing wow but 
it was just a good bar, you know. They did all the basics right, and I really felt like an I could I could make it my local place. And I said this to the guy. I was like, "Wow, I really uh, this is a really nice place." And he said, "Yeah, well, it's unfortunately we're closing down at the end of the week." And I thought, "Oh shit, that's typical." My first time in this place after wanting to go for months already, and they're closing. But he was teasing me. He said, "We're closing down, but that's only because I'm opening a new venue in the center of town." And that is Locale. That Café Brilliant became Locale. It became the place that I go to now, which thankfully has the same atmosphere as the other place did. Very relaxed, very friendly, very interesting. It's an inter- It's a nice mix because it keeps its old Dutch pub feeling. Like It seems like a very traditional kind of place. No airs and graces about it. It's just a nice, solid, friendly pub, which gives a good atmosphere. It's right in the center of town. For some reason, it's never that busy, which is great. I don't know about the business side of things for them, but it's great for me. They have incredible beer. Like the guy who owns the bar, Rob, has an incredible knowledge. He is a brewer himself. I should, I'd should. be remiss if I didn't mention he had his own brilliant Blauhaus, um, his own brewery, which makes some really nice beers too that he serves on tap in the in the bar. Aside from that, they've got a fridge full of lots of different bottles, and they have some well-known names in Dutch beer, but a lot of stuff I had never heard of before, and just a really wonderful range. He's so friendly. The music is always great. Before these corona times we live in now, there was always live music happening, stand-up comedy, open mic nights, that kind of thing. Really my favorite bar in Harlem, and there are a few others. I always invite anybody to come out to Harlem and I will give them the beer tour. There's a few great bars that I take them to if you're into craft beer. If you know me, by the open invitation, come out to Harlem. I will take you around the craft beer bars. And for pe- for people who are listening abroad, for a tour- potential tourists coming to Amsterdam, coming to the Netherlands, friends of mine especially, okay, cool. The Heineken Museum is one of the biggest attractions in Amsterdam. Fine, it's a big name. You know, a classic stalwart of Dutch culture, Heineken, of Dutch beer. It's like going to Dublin and visiting the Guinness factory. Totally get it. If you want to do it, that's cool. It's in a big building. From what I've heard, it's a great experience. It's not where they brew the beer itself anymore, so it's not really authentic. But no judgment. But don't only do the Heineken Museum. If you're into beer at all and you're visiting Amsterdam, contact me. I'll links, contact links, information all below. I will tell you where to go to get really great craft beer, locally made, interesting, unique, delicious beers in some of the some great locations around the town. And probably, if I can, I will join you. I'll take you there myself because these are the these are the kind of places that I love to visit myself. But for now, I think I've rambled about beer long enough. I'm not sure how many people are listening to a podcast about running and veganism who are willing to tolerate me talking beer for an hour or so so i will leave it there guys but um can't leave you entirely without just audibly having another sip of this delicious bird of prey Mm. lecker very nice oh before i go i guess one thing you could say um the what you say when you are drinking a beer or any drink with some friends family you're gathered around the table, the drinks all come, you raise it up, you touch the glasses, and you say, cheers. In English. In Irish, in the Gaelic language, you would say, slantia. 
Slancha is a literal translation. In Irish, it means health. So you're wishing good health when you drink. And in Dutch, they say prost. P-R-O-S-T, prost. So there you go. If you're in Ireland, England, or the Netherlands, you know how to say cheers when you have a beer. Cheers, slancha, prost. I feel that's a good way to end it. I wish you good health. I wish you many enjoyable experiences drinking beers. Again, don't go overboard. If it's not for you, totally cool. It's an acquired taste. For any beer lovers, non-beer lovers, teetotalers, alcoholics, whoever is listening, thank you very much. I really appreciate you listening. I hope you found something useful in my rambling tales. And yeah, I, I say thank you every time automatically because it's just to be polite. But really and truly, I do appreciate anybody who takes the time to listen to me. It's And the effort, you have to find a podcast. You have to take time out of your day, out of your attention span, your focus to listen to my work. And yeah, if you do, guys, that's amazing. I'm I'm endlessly grateful. Please feel free to get in touch. I would love to hear from you if you are one of those people who listens to my podcast. If you want to be really cool and you want to be my best friend, you can subscribe to the podcast. If there's a possibility to rate and review it, I don't even know if I'm in the world of podcasting enough on all these apps that you can leave a review uh, five stars some comments some sort of rating if you can great please do that if there's anyone in your life who you know would like to hear about the usual topics i would talk about so vegan travel running running tips advice information about that traveling as a vegan to hear some cool stories with interviews i've done in the past there will be more interviews coming up If you're listening to this whole thing and you can think of someone in your life and say, yeah, they would really get something out of this, tell them. That would be great. Or just share it on Twitter, share it on Instagram, share the podcast on Facebook. I would be so appreciative. And I'll stop the pestering there, guys. So again, thank you so much for listening. Do take care of yourselves. Do your best. Take care of each other. Most importantly these days, I will love you and leave you. Find my contact information below. Have a nice day. Guys, thank you so much. Bye-bye.